this week, we're taking a little bit of a turn, and I'll be honest with you, I felt very uncomfortable at many times, and you'll understand this as we go through in this message, because really I'm talking about today, I'm talking about how to help men find the right woman, but in saying in in women, that doesn't mean you get to leave. Uh, But in like saying what the right woman looks like, I felt like a lot of pressure. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I'm thinking of like, what does that look like today? What is it supposed to look like? Like, I don't want to come off as some archaic um, man who's just saying this is what a woman should be. And I don't think that's what I'm doing at all. But I felt this pressure there to figure out what that looks like. And how do I help guys understand what they should be looking for? Because when you ask guys like, what do you think a woman should look like what it should be, they always have that idea of the perfect woman, right? This, there's this perfect woman that they're looking for, and really, it's not that she has an incredible personality or anything, it's that she's good-looking. Like, and that's really what it, what it seems to be. What's funny is I, I watched, the, they did this survey, and the survey was not actually necessarily what they're asking, but they're asking the question, like, what's your perfect woman? And they had a guy ask the question to a bunch of guys, and they had a girl ask the question to a bunch of girls. And what was interesting is when the guys were asking, it was all about, like, a lot of body type, like, she looks like this, she's this. But when the girl was asking, it was like, her num- the number one answer was her eyes. It was like, <laughs> you're, you can't hit on the girl in front of you while she's asking you uh, who the perfect woman is. But I think, I think it's like this. I think guys are like Samson. I don't know if you guys have, have read much of the Bible, but there's a guy named Samson in the Bible. And Samson was gifted with incredible strength. Like he was incredibly strong. He had the ability to take out armies by himself, but he had incredible pride. And that wouldn't be surprise you if you see a guy that's incredibly strong. A lot of times his head's three times bigger than his biceps. And so I just say that because I don't work out a lot, I guess. I don't know. So, so you see this. He, his pride is through the roof. And you see him trying to pick a wife. And, his, and literally his, his parents are like, why don't you pick, you know, a woman at home? It's kind of like that, like, why don't you pick a nice Jewish woman, you know? She's like, come on. And he's like, no. And he actually ends up a lot of times picking women that are from uh, the people that want to kill the Jewish people, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's kind of that forbidden love. And he goes out and he finds this woman named Delilah. And it's interesting, you don't hear that name really much anymore, the word, like Delilah. Like, not many people name their kid that because, like, she's a temptress kind of deal. And so he, he basically gets with her, and the Philistines, they're like, hey, we need to find out where his strength comes from. And his strength comes from his hair. As long as he doesn't cut his hair, God said, as long as you don't cut your hair, you will have that strength. And so Delilah's like, hey, babe, I love you so much, you know, like, hey, you know it, right? And she's like, How, where does your strength come from? And, and Samson realizes he shouldn't fully trust her, and so he lies to her and says, hey, if you cut it up or you, uh, you tie it this way, my hair, it won't give me strength. And so during the night, she ties him up that way, and then she has the Philistines come in, and then he breaks it and he beats him up. And at that moment, I would be like, wow, she's out to kill me. I should leave. But apparently Delilah is insanely hot. Like it must be like, ins- like hot to the level of like, she tried to kill me. It's okay. <laughs> it didn't happen, right? It didn't actually happen. And so it happens two more times. He says things, she does it. They try to come in and kill him. Like there's, this is insane to me. Like I'm sitting here, I'm trying to think, what is Samson thinking of? And then finally he tells her the truth. Of course, she cuts off his hair. They come in, they gouge his eyes out, and they take him away. And it's one of those things. It's like I remember watching this on How I Met Your Mother. It's the crazy hot scale. You know what I'm talking about? It's like how crazy and how hot. Like how hot does she have to be? I think, guys, we work off that scale almost. 
It's like this idea, and I, I've said this to a couple guys, and I think this is true. It's not necessarily crazy hot, but guys are basically, guys, and you don't have to say this out loud. This is, I, you can just in your mind know that I, I know you. <laughs> guys are looking for the hottest girl they can tolerate. How many, how many times do you see a guy standing there while a girl is nagging him and he's just dealing with it? Right? And she's like, well, she's good to look at. I'm like, if that's the entire idea. But there is. I really think, guys, when we really get down to it, like what are you actually looking for? Most of us, we have some ideas and we'll say some things that we've heard before. But really, all of those all of a sudden get trumped when somebody looks better. And it's that idea we're just kind of trying to find someone that's really hot that we can tolerate. And there's a problem there because things have changed. And as men, we do. We want to experience love. We want to give love. We want those things. We want to know what it means to have the right kind of woman. But at the same time, we have entire movements and things in front of us that tell us the opposite. I mean, every screen we look at says the opposite of what I should be doing to basically love and care for a woman. And really, when you get down to it, with today's media and today's everything that's going on, men are basically going, I just want a porn star I can tolerate. And so what do we look at? What do we look for? And really, guys, I want you to understand, today's message is not like a vendetta on beauty. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying when we choose to only look at that, we're missing so much. We're missing so much of what you should be looking for and so much of who she is. And so we're going to look in. <laughs> There'll be more. You can clap later. It'll be good. But here's Proverbs 18.22. It says it this way. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And just so you know, they're not going to clap because they didn't even raise their hands when they say, how many of you guys looking for a date? I don't, I don't want to seem desperate. I'm just here. I'm working on myself, like you said last week, right? You know, so it says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from God. There is something that brings honor to those that can find that wife. It's somebody that brings honor. It's somebody that brings respect because you chose someone not for the way they looked, but who they were. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of the gold standard for women. And it's something that I'm taking and I'm changing some because I've had a hard time with it. Uh, some of you, you've definitely gone into studies. I know many girls have gone through studies of what does it mean to be a Proverbs 31 woman? But I think it's, it's a lot. If you just read through Proverbs 31, you're like, no woman can be that. Like she is everything. She's amazing. She's like Martha Stewart and Oprah, like combined. Like she is the perfect homemaker but has her own business and buys and sells stuff. It's like, who is this? But she is. And so I've had a hard time with this. It's like that idea, especially in society, I don't want to come across this idea and bring something to women in here and bring something to men where women feel like less than again. Because right now you're struggling with the idea of what does it mean to be a wife? What, what does it look like? Can I be a homemaker? Can I not be a homemaker? Am I supposed to be a homemaker and do work outside? Am I supposed to do all those things and also want to work out and look incredible at the same time? Yeah, apparently you are, right? And so that's what we're going up against. That's not what I want to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at Proverbs 31 and look at some of the character ideas that you see there. 
And this, this chapter right here, this part is actually written, what they think, it was actually written by a lady named Bathsheba. Because it says there, it says it was written by King Lemuel, but a lot of people believe that's a pseudonym because it means devoted to God. A lot of people believe that's Solomon, and Bathsheba is writing this to him, and he's writing it down in what we see as the Bible right now. So this is a loving mother writing out what she believes her son should look for. And so we're going to look at these things today. And in Proverbs 31, 23, this is the idea of what happens when you find the right person. It says, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. She's saying this, hey, if you find the right type of woman, you will be someone who is respected. And women, understand this in this room. Respect is huge for men. It's huge for men. It's something that we want so badly. It's why many times in relationships you have a fight about something and you're not exactly sure what happened because somehow you show disrespect to what he cared about the most. And so he wants incredible amount of respect, but then it also says this, if he chooses right, then she will have a place too. In Proverbs 31, 28 says, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. You surpass them all. And so what I want to do is, like I said, I'm going to look at not the specifics of what they're saying, but the character that we can see behind it. These are things that you should be looking for when you're dating. Now, you're not looking for the completed idea of that character trait in her. You're not looking for what it would look like when she's 50. You're looking for where it's starting now. So Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 12, it starts off here. It says, a wife of noble, noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, what's the first thing it says there? It says, a wife of noble character who can find. What does that mean, men? You have to look. Okay? You're not going to be playing video games at 1 a.m. and a wife fall in your lap. Like, it's not just going to come through the door, hey, what was that loud noise? My wife showed up. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I got mine two weeks ago. Like, that doesn't happen. That's not the way that it works. You actually have to open your eyes and look around you. It's not necessarily the idea that you're going on this quest to find her, but many times it's the idea that you're actually open your eyes, looking around you, look who God's put in front of you. But you have to actually look for her. But then it says what? It says her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings good, not harm. What is he saying here? He's saying she is trustworthy. She's trustworthy. Because this is important. Trust is an incredible part of a relationship. This is not anything new. Nobody's going to disagree with me on this. But what you should you be looking for with a woman who's trustworthy? One, she says what she's going to do. When she says, I'm going to do this, that is what happens. Second, she actually uses her words to build up and not just gossip. See, someone who's not trustworthy talks behind everybody else's back. How does she talk about other people when, you're, when they're not around? How does she talk about you when you're not around? You're not sure. Why? Because she continues to be someone that's not trustworthy. Does she encourage? Does she have that ability to do that? Because, guys, we know this. Being in an untrustworthy relationship is terrible, isn't it? I know many of you have been in a situation, and I've been there too, where you get in a situation where somebody does something where you lose their trust, and what happens from that point on? You're stuck. And what do you end up doing? Many times you end up putting up more barriers or more rules instead of actually having a relationship. There's a story, and some of you may have seen it. There was 
a guy who sold his car to a used car dealership, and they found inside of it, his girlfriend had given him 22 rules for dating me. And they, if you didn't see them, these are absolutely insane, but this is, are the rules of someone who doesn't trust. First one, you are not to have a single girl's phone number. Number two, you are not to follow them on social media. Three, you're not to hang out with Keegan. <laughs> Including his house or anywhere in public. I don't even know what this means, so I'm not going to say it. I actually looked it up. It, I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, you are not to hang out with your friends more than two times a week. You are not to look at a single girl. If girls come up to you at any place or any time, you are to walk away. <laughs> Mo. It's to not hang out with us every time we hang out. <laughs> Basically says you're not allowed to ask for sex. Uh, you are not allowed to get mad about me, about a single thing ever again. Uh, you're not allowed to bring up Tyler, Noah, Devin, or Josh ever again. <laughs> you're not allowed to drink unless I'm with you. I'm allowed to do a phone check whenever I please. If we move in, there are never ever to be any girls in our house. If we move in together, your friends will rarely be allowed over. <laughs> if I catch you around girls, I'll kill you. Uh, I don't know. That's like, whoa. <laughs> What's funny is she put a smiley face next to it. <laughs> it's like that, I'm going to find you. Like, it's just, you are not to ditch me for your friends. Austin does not control when I hang out with you. We are to go on a legit date once every two weeks at least. If you jump, you say, how high, princess, if I say jump. <laughs> you are to make sure you tell me you love me at least once a day so I know you're not messing around. And here's the best one, because I think this one's literally the one that could never actually happen. You are to never take longer than 10 minutes to text me back. And what's funny is it's like, when you look at that, that's not a relationship, Right? That's a contract. That's a contract. There's no trust there. But here, here's the deal. I've seen that happen so many times with people. How many, seriously, how many of you know of people in relationships where a couple of those rules are in play? And, and nobody's done anything wrong yet. Because here's, here's, here's this, guys. Here's this. Just because you don't trust her doesn't mean she's not trustworthy. Okay. Just because you don't trust someone doesn't mean they're not trustworthy. Many times the reason we don't trust people is because something in our past, okay? Many times the reason we don't trust people is because of something in our past or we're untrustworthy ourselves. You know the people that are most paranoid? Those that are untrustworthy. And so sometimes what you need to do is you need to look at yourself and ask, why do I feel this way so much towards them? I may need to step back from this relationship and work on me because if I don't, I will never trust another person that I date. Trust is important. It goes on in Proverbs 31. It says this, it says she selects wool and flask, flax and works with her eager hands. Basically, she's putting together clothes and things for the house. She is like the merchant ships bringing food from afar. He's talking about cooking here. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. What is this getting at? Here's what I, and this was the hardest one I had to come up with. I'm like, how do I, how do I phrase this the right way? And here, here's what I have. She wants to make a home, okay? And, and stay with me on this. 
Because whenever I say anything near homemaker or wants to make a home, people start to freak out a little bit. Let me, let me explain that because that looks very different to very different people. And here's the first part of that, and I want you guys to hear this. Part of making a home and caring about a home is kids. Now, here's what this doesn't mention there, and there's kind of a purpose to it. You don't see this mentioning, does she love kids? Because back then, you didn't have a choice whether or not you're going to have kids. There's no birth control, right? So you're going to have kids. And so it was important nowadays, though, that we have to. Why? Because I've seen this, this selfishness, this, this thing creep up in millennial and even more into Gen Z, this idea that we can get married and kids are not a part of the play, now, I understand waiting, okay? I understand, hey, we, we're going to get married and we're going to wait. We're going to get married and we're going to get ready. But here's, and this is, sounds really hard, and I want you guys to stay with me and you disagree with me. Please come talk to me about this. It is really hard in the Bible. In fact, you can't in the Bible get to a place where you can say marriage should ever happen without kids. Because the reason God created marriage is not so you can just find somebody to be your soulmate. It was to create a family, to create a legacy, to take what God's done in your life and make it live on. Okay? And so I don't want us to feel like there's this, I, I'm saying, oh, you need to have kids right away. You need to have 100 kids, all that kind of stuff. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying kids are an important part of who God's called you to be. Now, if you can't have kids, does that mean there's something like you're going against God? Not at all. You can adopt or, and I'm not even saying you have to have kids. You can invest in that next generation. I've seen several people who absolutely love kids who serve on many different levels. The hard part is this. You can't look at the Bible and look at what we're called to do without seeing investment in the next generation. Without seeing talking about legacy and those things. See, you want somebody that talks about those things, somebody that wants to make a home. Now, when I say homemaker, careful, don't, don't think what I am saying right away because I'm not saying a woman, women can't work. In fact, later on in this verse, it talks about a woman working. But I am saying that there's something about bringing something and making a home. There's something about the ability that a woman has to make something a home, and it changes. And guys, our first idea goes back to our mom. That's a dangerous thought because your wife will not be your mom. And it's interesting because even when I look at my wife and my mom, the differences are very much there. Both of them have created a home, but it looks very, very different. My wife is very much into aesthetics. Our house, you walk in, you can see Pinterest has been here. You can. My wife loves to cook very tasty stuff. Like, it's very good. It's probably a little bit too good. Like, this is something that she does. But on the other side of this, my wife is not somebody that's on t that wants to be constantly on top on every little thing. Like, you, it, it's not like dust is gotten away with every single day or every single, you know, time that you see anything. It's not like kids are always the perfect in this or in that or whatever it may be. But we have a home. And here's why. I know my wife has a ministry. I know my wife has a job. And I know that it is perfectly okay for my house not to be perfect for that ministry to happen. Now, my mom was on the other side. My mom was a lot more of that. She was there. Now, she was not somebody that decorated well. That's not what she saw. She was actually very poor growing up, and that wasn't even something that she did. She was not something that made the perfect, most tasty meals. My mom made grilled chicken about 800 different ways. At least she claimed it was a different way. It all tasted about the same. But everything was clean. Everything was tidy. Everything was to a certain point. 
And here's the deal. Both of those are homes. Both of those are homes. And, and on top of it, I'm not saying the man's not supposed to do certain parts of that, guys. Okay, no, that's not, you don't, that's, we don't need to go into that. We do. But look, guys, you're looking for someone who wants to make a home, that wants to make a sanctuary, that wants to make a place where you can raise a family. Does that make sense? Okay, hopefully so. If you don't, please, I'm being very serious, please come talk to me about that. So you want someone that has the ability to make the home. In Proverbs 31, 16, it goes on to this. It's the other side of outside the home. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. See, see what I'm talking about? This can be like a big deal, like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to plant a vineyard? Like, it's, it's a lot. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for tasks. You're looking for a woman who lifts. Um, <laughs> she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. They're talking about things to sew with. Here, here's what you need to get out of this. She is not lazy. She is not lazy. Why? Because marriage is a lot of work. Family is a lot of work. Being married to you is a lot of work. And you don't want someone that's just going to go through thinking it's going to be easy. You want someone that's going to go to battle with you. In fact, even when you look in the Bible, the Bible calls the wife a helper because the man came first and she was the helper. And before you take that the wrong way, it calls the Holy Spirit a helper also. So it calls God a helper. So you can't take that badly. But it's the idea that you, God saw us and go, went, nope, they can't do it on their own. They need somebody else to help them out. They need somebody else to help them create a family and create a place because a real loving family that's a safe place to come home to takes a lot. It takes so much more. And what you need to do is look for someone that meets up with that. You need someone that's not lazy. And here's what we do many times. Guys, the way we date, it's like we're, we're looking for someone without the qualifications in front of us for the actual job that's going to happen. It's kind of like this. I, I remember being in anatomy and physiology. And I, I, I loved that kind of stuff. But we, we literally dissected all kinds of things. And I remember thinking, man, this would be so awesome if I get set up with a lab partner that I thought was cute. Like she was very cute. I'm like, man, it'd be so great to get set up with her. And then we did. We got set up as lab partners. Here's the problem. A girl can never look at you the right way after she sees you saw off a cat's head. We dissected a cat. I didn't just do that. But we did. I remember we started dissecting. These are the things. We had to do a fetal pig. We had to do a frog. We did a cat. And I remember we start doing these things, and what does she do? She literally freaks out. She's like, I can't watch this, and just walks away. I'm like, wait, that's not. And she goes over and talks to her friend. I'm like, wait, but I need your help. I like you. You know, it's just. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, I need your help over here. And she was never there. And so I'm having to do all the work, all the things by myself. It was great that she was cute, but she was worthless for the task at hand. Guys, you are dating women that are cute but are worthless for the task that you're going forward in. If you are dating just based off the way she looks, you are missing the entire idea of what you should be looking for. We are missing it. See, like picking a wife that's good it's sex is like deciding to have a class project that you know the only thing she will ever do is sign her name at the top. 
There's so much more. Last week we talked about it. What is sex? It's 0.6% of a good marriage. 0.6%. So if we're like, man, I just want looks. I just want sex. We're missing out on so much of what God needs that woman to be in your life. Okay? You don't want her to be lazy. And that sounded harsh. I'm just being honest. Proverbs 31.20 says, She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Here's what this is. She has empathy and she serves. Guys, empathy is important. If you're trying to make sure not to end up with someone who is selfish, empathy is there. If you're trying to find somebody that's not incredibly narcissistic, empathy is there. What is empathy? Empathy is the ability to understand what somebody else is going through, but then care for them and love them. If every time something happens around her, she's always saying how much worse she has it, and it's not that bad for them. If every time anything happens around her, she just walks off and there's no idea of feeling for anybody else, that's a problem. If she's never serving those around her, if her family goes, hey, we're going through this, but she doesn't even lift a finger to help out, you're missing out on something. See, service is the first thing that kills narcissism, and that's the last thing you want in a wife. Does she care for others. You want someone to actually see beyond themselves. What's crazy, you see in the Bible, Abraham was looking for a wife for his, his son Isaac. And he sent off this guy named Eleazar to find her. And his instructions were very clear. He was looking for someone who could serve. And Eleazar literally goes out. He finds this place where he knew there was going to be a lot of godly people and godly women. And he waited for a woman to come along and to offer to basically bring water to the camels and the things that they had there. And this girl named Rachel came up, brought water, and he goes, that's the one for her, one for him, which sounds crazy. You're like, wait, it's that easy. If she has the ability to serve, you don't realize what you've gone past already. Her ability to see outside of herself, because that's the entire idea of a relationship in marriage, isn't it? Is get over me and actually be able to see other people. See, we say all the time, we look at all of these arranged marriages, and we're like, that is absolute crazy. You guys have maybe heard me tell this before, but I had a friend that was a pastor over in India. And he, he looks at the way that we date. They still do arranged marriages. And he goes, I think you think you got it right, but he goes, you choose who you love. We love who's been chosen. It's a very different idea. He goes, yeah, we know who we're going to end up with. Our parents chose that for us, but we're going to choose to love them because we trust in what they decided to do. Now, I'll be honest with you. With empathy and all these things, this is something that we didn't come out at the gate incredible at this, but I saw this in my wife early. She had the ability to see a pain or a hurt in someone and literally speak into it. She has the ability now to see exactly who God thinks they are, believes they are, and is able to speak that into their lives. Now, was she all the way there then? No, she wasn't. But I saw the start of it. She served in our youth ministry. She served her family. She served those around us. And I'll be honest, it affects me because I lack this in ministry. I grew up in a very traditional church, very, a church that was very much black and white and lost the grace side of things. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why you left. You felt like you could never be perfect enough to stay. And I had to learn very quickly that, yes, while sin is black and white, people's situations change. And God has enough grace to bring anyone back. See, when you see somebody that has empathy, they have the same mind and the same eye that God does. And that's who you want looking at you. That's the person you want raising your kids. 
It goes on in verse 25 to 27, says this. says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Here's what she's doing. She prepares. She prepares. She is not just waiting to be rescued. Okay? Guys, we've got to stop looking for the princess in the castle. We've got to stop looking for the girl that just wants to be rescued. We're looking for the one that's already moving ahead. Okay? We're looking for the one that's actually preparing for a future and what's going ahead, not just waiting for a man to save her. Look, I'm not talking about somebody that's OCD and over the top and, you know, strong, like uh, just overstrung. I'm talking for someone that's making decisions and plans for her future now. And you can see it in the decisions she makes and, and the way she spends her money. What is she doing? Is she making, is she waiting for you to save her or is she deciding that she's going to go forward knowing God's got a plan for her life right now? See, I'm not saying she's not spontaneous or artsy or fun, but she has an idea where she's going. And she's moving towards it right now. And understand this. When I say prepared, neither Chrissy or I are overly organized. We're just not. We keep trying to convince the other one that we are. She's like, but you're good at organization. I'm like, stop saying that. That is not true. You don't believe that. You just want me to do it. But here's what I know. When it comes down to something having to be done, she becomes that way. She loves, she still loves the old school planners, and she will have them mapped out and color-coded, and she will have pretty pins around it. Like, that's just the way she does it. And she will get it done. Here, this is what I saw. See, even when we were not dating yet and she was around me, she's like, I, this is where I'm going. I'm going into ministry. These are the things I'm going for. I have a job. I'm going after these things. Whether or not I decided to date her would not stop her from moving forward. She was preparing for what was next in life. Now, here's the, the last part is this. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Guys, understand this. We get so confused so many times, but when you look at the Bible, what does it praise? What does it want? Chemistry or the fear of God? Is it looking for how you feel when you see that person? Or is it looking for someone that absolutely Loves God. I want you to understand this. We put way, way too much weight on chemistry. Chemistry is easy. It is. You will have chemistry. I remember walking across the UF campus. I had chemistry with a whole bunch of women that never even knew I was there. It's like, you're hot, you're hot. I love you. <laughs> chemistry is easy. But if you can find someone that absolutely loves God, it changes everything. And you're going, wait. But what if it was that simple? What if it was as simple as actually finding somebody that absolutely loves God? And here's, here's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about, we said this before, it's not about progress. It's not where you're at. It's about pace. Is she running after God? Is she going after him? Or is she just in one place? See, we got to get to the point as men where we take out all the stuff that we've seen in movies, all the world has taught us, and decide we're going to look at what God has told us and take it first place. See, I, I didn't get to see all the Super Bowl, but I saw all the stuff afterwards. And I watched, and I watched all the conversations that happened, especially around the halftime show. And I immediately felt bad for women after the halftime show because all the tweets were this. It was, well, I guess that's what 50 looks like now. I'm like, no, 
That's what genetics and money looks like. That's not what 50 looks like. But we're continuing to come up with the way a woman should look as she ages, as if she's not allowed to change. Like it's literally the one part of us that's guaranteed to change. It's the one part of us that's guaranteed to age. Yet we have this idea that this is what it's supposed to be. But on top of it, the hard part for me was I'm literally watching this and I'm seeing all the commercials. I I watched through all the commercials. There are more commercials for women empowerment that I've ever seen. Tons of commercials talking about women going to space, getting jobs, doing all this different stuff, women playing football, all this stuff. But then at the halftime show, there's a stripper pole. And what's crazy to me, I'm like, how, why has the stripper pole somehow been this idea of women empowerment when all it is is an anchor to be treated the way you don't want to be treated? And men, it's tough for us. Let me just say this. It's tough for us, and I understand. You see what they should be and all the things that are there, but at the same time, you're looking at a screen that says it's all about beauty, it's all about those things. And look, I'm not against JLo or Shakira or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm just saying is the idea is so confusing to us. And so you're looking many times, you're looking at a woman in front of me, and you're like, I don't feel chemistry for this woman. I feel like I should. She's a godly woman. Why don't I feel chemistry? Sometimes the reason you don't feel chemistry has more to do with the women you're looking at a screen while you're alone than the woman that's in front of you. Guys, hear this. Porn will absolutely take away your ability to see a godly woman. It will take your ability to see your wife for who she truly is and see the beauty that is absolutely there. See, I've heard people say, what if I'm not attracted to them? And you've heard me say this before. Is it that you're not attracted or is it not this animal attraction? Like is it that you're not attracted to them or you're just not getting that same feeling you get when you watch that thing? See, if those around you find them attractive, if you realize that they have all the things here that makes them attractive to God, is it not finding them attractive a problem? Yes, it is. In fact, you should take a step back. You shouldn't just date them because you need to work on you first. You need to work on where you're at. You need to change your mind and change your thoughts and step back from what the world is showing you a woman ought to be and look in God's word and find out what it actually should be. See, because if you aren't attracted to who she is, you won't be able to honor and cherish who's God making her into be. You won't be able to see that. See, Proverbs 31, 31 says this, says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works be praised at the city gates. Guys, I'll be honest, guys, girls, both. There will be times where you are not attracted to your spouse. Just gonna happen. It's going to happen. We're going to get older. There's going to be things that we go through. Women, you, you end up having babies, right? And you go through menopause, which are like two of the worst things ever. Like back to, like I feel, like I really do. I remember watching my mom put her head in the freezer and I'm like, I don't know what you're going through, but it looks, <laughs> looks awful. It looks awful. But there are going to be some times, but if you can't cherish and honor her for her heart, You're going to miss so much of what God has for you. See, as a husband, my job is to literally be the husband that I need to be to show my wife off. Like, it's the husband that I need to be so that she feels comfortable enough to be herself. Like, that she feels comfortable enough to be a girl, that she gets to be funny and play around with me. And I'm not sitting here yelling at her, which I do sometimes. I'm like, stop messing with me. She's like, it's fun. I'm like, stop tickling me. 
if you put your cold foot over here again, I may leave the bedroom. But, <laughs> but if I see her attractiveness for the way God does, what do I do? I speak that into her life. I talk about it. I allow her to go after what she does. I'm not intimidated by the fact that she has an incredible ministry all by herself. I see who she actually is. See, guys, if you don't have the ability to see that, you both will be miserable. You both will be miserable in this. Now, when you look at this list, there's a lot of stuff that's not in there. Age. Although the older women are like, stop. I don't want the younger men even getting close. But <laughs> having a hard enough time with the older ones. Age is not in there. Whether or not she has kids, it's amazing to me that there's all these women out there that have kids, and all of a sudden, it, it's society. We go, oh, and then we see a man with kids, and we're like, wow, he's amazing. It's the way that we look at things. It's not saying any of these things. It's not what, what her past is, or does she have a perfect family? It's does she love God? Are these attributes in her life? And I'll just say this on the side, and I've done a lot of counseling and all these things. If you want to have a lot of sex in marriage, you are looking for someone that you can have a relationship with. Because it's out of the great relationships that that happens. I can't tell you the number of guys I know that married literally the hottest girl they could find, and now the only reason they have sex is because their counselor told her she has to. Okay? I'm being absolutely honest. Because sex is no longer a part of it because her entire life, all anyone ever saw was her beauty, and once that started to fade, she didn't have the confidence or the ability to show who she was to her husband sexually. Because our, our, our deal is much bigger than this. I know you're hearing this, you're like, well, what about beauty? Like, I'm not saying you don't need to be attracted to her. I'm not saying she can't be beautiful. I'm just saying until we open our mind to how much more our wife should be, we're going to be missing that thing. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for who you are. God, I thank you that you've given the opportunity to learn more about you, to learn more about really what you want for our marriages. God, I pray tonight that um, you allow them to hear what they needed to hear. God, I pray that you would challenge their thoughts and their beliefs in there. And God, I pray that if, if someone is hurting or someone's in pain or someone doesn't like something, whatever it may be, God, I pray that they seek out those that they need to talk to. God, I thank you that we just have the ability to have frank and honest discussions. And I pray they will lead to more honest discussions about what it means to date and find somebody that absolutely loves God. God, we thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.